Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Okay, welcome everyone to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'd like to welcome a guest onto the show who has made it his mission, well, one of his many missions, I should say, to help B2B marketers and startups to bring clarity to their strategy and develop the right content for revenue generation. So coming to us from Chennai, India, Mr. Yagneshwaran Ganesh. I hope I pronounced that properly. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Varnakam Nikolchiko Varaverkaran. Welcome to the show. That is amazing, Chris. I, I love this. You know, I, I love when somebody uh, greets me in my mother tongue. So, uh, so nice of you to uh, do that uh, background research and get this right. So thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I mean, like, you know, we, we really hit it off, I have to say, in the uh, pre-interview call. And I am so looking forward to this conversation because it's such a pertinent topic to uh, B2B marketers out there, right? Absolutely, my pleasure. Okay, fantastic. So, Yag, I mean, here comes the understatement of the year. Uh, your 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 name or your reputation needs no introduction, all right? You're an accomplished global marketing technologist. You're a published author, and you specialize across different uh, B2B marketing disciplines, yeah? But for the sake of this conversation today, let's just narrow it down to the topic of B2B content marketing, for revenue. So just from your own perspective and your own experience, tell us about some of the major shifts that you've seen um, in this area and why you think uh, B2B marketers should be paying attention to them. Right, absolutely. So this is a very important and also fun question because you know we are recording this in November and as we get towards the end of every year, this is one a topic that pretty much everyone starts to write about, you know, trends to expect in 2022, <laughs> what are the things that have evolved and things like that. But to be honest, you know, I'll put it this way, not a lot has changed in any form of marketing when it comes to the fundamentals. Uh, for example, when you look at specific predictions that you hear every year, it is usually a combination of a couple of things. One, it's either extreme wishful thinking that people are wishing for something to happen, or the other way around, people are looking at, say, they are trying to promote their product or their business and including that as part of, you know, the things that they expect in the upcoming year. So it's, it's a, a packaging that comes in the form of prediction. If you stay away from all of that and just purely look at what has consistently uh, happened every year, regardless of COVID, is that there has been a continuous increase in the budget that content marketers have got year on year. And then again, there has always been a problem in demonstrating ROI of content to your uh, marketing, to the kind of revenue that it generates. These two are going to happen every year regardless. So let's talk about that. Why is this happening? And um, why is that a problem? Fortunately or unfortunately, I would rather say unfortunately, uh, marketers tend to uh, play this game of attention all the time. So uh, when you go onto LinkedIn, you would see topics like, hey, I got X number of followers, like 20,000 followers, 100,000 followers doing this, 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 do want my playbook. At the end of the day, when you go in and check out that playbook, there is nothing new there. You get the same old data, but just because you know you were intrigued by, by that uh, clickbait you got in, 
and that happened now the the clear factor that you need to have in mind is that you are never going to win the content marketing game from a revenue standpoint or whatever you're trying to achieve by playing somebody else's game you know the generic game or the generic playbook that one has if you're going to follow that i'm sure uh, you know you're going to get the same kind of results that you have been getting so far or in the past so ultimately it boils down to just one fundamental thing do you know who your customer is and do you know what they are expecting and are you contributing your you know marketing efforts towards that one of the first things that my um, ceo told me as i joined the company avoma in uh, 2021 april the first thing he told me was yeah just remember this one thing forget all the other measurements ensure that you are keeping the customer experience and their interest in everything that you do if you're doing that everything will uh, fall in place so that's that's i think very basic if you keep that baseline your uh, you will know whom to market to who you will know who your content should target and you will know what to write so i'll start there today well that's a really interesting point and uh, you brought up a point earlier which i thought you know let's let's jump on that a little bit like why do you think b2b content marketers are, are so seduced by okay let's jump on the bandwagon or let's jump on let's use these latest tools because you know we heard that this is going to help up our game when it comes to content marketing i mean why is there so much of that going on out there right so see at the end of the day everybody got got to sell what they want to sell right so that's that's where it typically starts so for example take martech as an industry so this entire industry and if you can if you can look at abm as a product or abm as a domain this has been consistently happening there are different tools and every tool has a different story as to how they contribute to the abm journey and if you directly started uh, your your abm journey by looking at one of these tools you are going to sandbag yourself into you know how that tool is built or what it tries to solve for so if i can give you an example i'll i'll say that hey if if you're going to be using programmatic ads tool and uh, if you think that abm then you're going to think that abm is all about uh say running ads at targeted accounts say tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 accounts and then attracting them by running ads and bringing them into your funnel or if you are going to be driven by marketing automation uh, tools for abm then you're going to think that yes you know it's it's all about sending out those cadences in a personalized manner and from there if you go to a chat tool again is it recognizing somebody coming into your ecosystem as as an existing account if i say that hey uh Uh, hey chris i recognize you from this company welcome uh, how can i help you is that abm not really and uh, the same thing happens with say anything for that matter any pick any tool or any any domain this is the common problem so everybody is going to say that this is how you go about achieve something but the reality is unless you have clarity as to where you want to be what problem you want to solve and if you can get that across manually first because any any problem that you try to solve for in the initial days be it a product or be it a problem that you're solving for it's your your starting point is going to be bare bones you know you're just going to think about how do i solve this so you're not going to have too many factors there unless i can crack this manually and know what to do only then you will know that what are the different places i can bring in a tool and this is happening across content this is happening across uh, say marketing automation this is happening across product marketing like regardless of whatever field of marketing that you talk about this is pretty common yeah no that's absolutely right that's absolutely right and uh, you know speaking of which that's a beautiful segue into the the next question uh and you've touched on some of these already but like some of the most common mistakes and misconceptions 
uh, the B2B marketers make when it comes to content for revenue? What are they and uh, how do you think they should be addressed? Right. This is a very interesting question. Maybe the best way to uh, answer this, maybe I'll talk about some of the mistakes that that I have done in the past over the last 12 years or so. I think that's that's probably the easiest to answer. Yeah, the, sure. number one, uh, the number one point I would say is not listening to your customers enough. Okay. What happens is when you're in content marketing, you are more often than uh, not, you know, you're not talking to anybody. You're, you're creating content on your own and uh, you're working in a silo which is very dangerous. So it so happened in one of the first companies that I worked for. And uh, I was in a room where I was an intern and uh, the person that I was reporting into was in a meeting and he, he was the marketing head. And there was this other sales team who was also in the team. And there was a discussion about how to launch a product. After the discussion, the, the sales head asked my manager as to who is going to work on the content. And then, uh, you know, my boss said, Hey, we have a bunch of content marketers who will take care of all of these things. And the number one question that came in immediately in that discussion was, okay, so somebody who has not been part of this discussion and who has never spoken to a customer, is that person going to be writing the content for you? And that made me really think, wow, yeah, that makes absolute sense, right? And then when I looked at how those content marketers were actually doing their work, it was more like translating the product into uh, product features, into problem statements and offering the same product as the solution. So that, that approach is not helping anybody. When I started working for Avoma, one of the things that I really, really enjoyed or how my content now comes from is on a daily basis, I, I use Avoma to listen to uh, you know what prospects ask my uh, account executives or what our existing customers ask to our um, customer success managers. So when you listen to these conversations, you understand, hey, what your customers are asking for or what are the kind of questions that your uh, prospects are coming up with, then you're going to build your entire content strategy around that. So you're, you're going to make sure that everything that you write is meaningful for your audience. That's one. The second problem is that as marketers, we get too enticed by uh, all the different channels that is available. You know, the, the question that often we have is, hey, should you be on TikTok? Should you be on Twitter? Should you be on Instagram? But the point is, hey, be there where uh, your audience is. That might seem the broad, easy answer. But more realistically, what you're going to figure out is you're going to be there on one channel at a time and figure out if that works for you or not. So if you're going to spread yourself too thin, you're not going to put your efforts anywhere. So if you're investing on LinkedIn, stay there for a, you know at least about six, seven months, invest properly, be there, build the right contacts. It's, it's not just about going on commenting on certain posts or uh, pit slapping somebody and saying, do you want to buy my product? It's about building those relationships and investing your presence over there. At the same time, building those relationships with the target audience that you're looking at. So, so that's, that's number two. And the third one that I came across uh, you know, as part of... Uh, my uh, recent readings is, is a report from uh, Content Marketing Institute that says that about 52% of the marketers have said that uh, they are going to be increasing their investments um, on uh, in-person events in 2022. And I'm like, really? Does that even make sense? Um, and uh, the reason why I'm questioning this is, see, um, even in the pre-COVID days, the reality is that hey, you're there um, standing in a booth, uh, you've invested about 20K or 30K dollars um, and you get a 10 by 10 booth. And 
you have to realize that the number of people who have come to the booth are actually come for two reasons one they are there for either networking with their peers and trying to understand what's happening in the industry or they uh, are here to listen to a keynote that they came forward to uh, or they came looking for and the last thing that they had in mind is what are the different booths that i'm going to be visiting uh, to you know see the softwares that are available yes the the shopping around is mostly going to happen but the fun part that you will realize is the shopping around is going to be happening by your competitor who is trying to kind of understand what you're doing um to uh, you know get better and at best you might get about say uh, 50 or 60 uh, business cards uh, through that entire journey being there for about 2 3 days through the conference and what you realize is after all that when you reach back to this audience they are not going to respond right so what's the point at best uh, you know all these details for just two things they either uh, gave their contact just to get your goodies uh because it it was interesting that is all right and uh, the fourth point probably i would also say something that i see often on linkedin or on social media is is this point that people talk about write the way you speak okay um write the way you speak yes makes a lot of sense uh because you know you don't want to uh, complicate the way you uh, way you speak but but here's another caveat to that do people really understand the way you speak right so uh, <laughs> uh i speak to <laughs> that's uh, absolutely true <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly and yeah. uh, the point is you know internally me and my colleagues are probably going to um, refer to some parts of our product in an internal jargon and if nobody from the audience is going to resonate with that or not going to understand like say for example there are two ways of saying uh, what i'm going to say either you can say that hey you know connect all your channels and um, get it in a single pane of glass where you will be seeing things end to end or i can say that hey enabling marketing orchestration now which one is uh, more simpler which one do you get so at the end of the day it's about making sure that you know who your audience is and communicate in a way they understand and more importantly communicate the set of things that are important to them and not to you so yeah these are some of the things that i uh, keep coming across Yeah those are uh, pretty spot on and you know and and thank you for sharing uh, your experience because you know we we all started from somewhere right we all, yeah. all made these mistakes but um man you know to your point about um yeah I I totally agree with you. Um you know, you know like going into next year or even the year after like are people really going to fork out so much money um and to invest in a trade show booth? I mean I still find that very questionable. I mean I know it depends on the industry but uh, highly unlikely. right and and the other one um totally agree um the, this whole right the way you speak i would say it depends right because does everybody does everybody really want to listen to your very jazzy and casual tone when you're posting on linkedin <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yak you brought up something uh, and it was a topic in uh, in our previous conversation i thought it was interesting and it, it would be worth uh, discussing a little bit further and it's about um the sales funnel right so all this like top of funnel middle of funnel bottom of funnel business. So you said something that I thought was quite interesting. You said um you don't necessarily agree uh with the way that most B2B marketers are developing content for each stage of the funnel. And we've all seen them right this exhaustive laundry list of like okay we should we should develop this kind of content for the top and for the middle and for the bottom. So please explain what you feel that way and what uh B2B marketers should be doing instead. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, the reason I say that is, in fact, even I started with the funnel model back in like, say, 2009, 2010. Um, and uh, here's the point about that, right? So um, when you talk about uh, parts of the funnel, you talk about, hey, I should be creating um, an awareness piece, I should be creating a consideration piece, I, I need to be, uh, you know, developing a piece that helps them in decision and all of that. So you have seven or eight stages as part of that entire funnel exercise. And uh, the entire set of things is developed based on the understanding or probably the expectation that a prospect is going to consume about seven to eight or, you know, according to some, uh, some researchers, it's also even 12 pieces of content before they're going to make a decision. But let's be realistic, you know, would you and I do that? Uh, would we be uh, reading 12 different pieces of content or even seven or eight different pieces of content before buying something? Not really. You know, what we do is uh, when the, the pain becomes a real pain. We go and uh, search, um, either it could be a Google search or it could be, you know, reaching out to a friend and asking that, hey, how did he solve for that problem or how did she solve for that problem? Or uh, look at a couple of review sites and see what people are saying about different options that are available. We do things like that. And when we land up on like four or five solutions that we want to compare, the, the simplest thing that we will be doing is uh, probably go and read on uh, a few blogs or a few white papers or um, a few pieces of content on the website. And uh, based on the set of uh, products or set of things that we align the most to, we'll schedule the next level of conversations with those companies uh, with their A or whatever the process is, right? And that's that's how the process goes. So my whole point of uh, talking against the funnel idea is that I don't want people to spend so many uh, uh, so many hours or so on so many pieces of content to get there. Rather, my point is, can you reduce that entire sequence? You know, can I uh, combine multiple levels of um, uh, layers of the funnel into one piece of content? Right. So when I talk about uh, something, uh, like say how to do uh, how to do something, like in 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 one of our blogs, I talk about how to use conversation intelligence to uh, say, um, reduce potential customer churn, okay? So in this entire process, I can do two things. I can tell you, uh, everybody in the SaaS world knows that uh, churn is a big problem and everybody wants to solve for it. And uh, I can talk about, hey, what happens if you don't solve? And uh, here's how you go about solving it. Now, while I give you the solution as to how to solve, I can show certain screenshots of how I, I solved it. There is no need for me to, uh, be out and out saying that, hey, Avoma solves by doing this. I need not sell Avoma, but I can simply show certain screenshots in the entire process so that I can convincingly tell you that this is how you solve this problem. But at the same time, I've also shown that, hey, my product can do it without explicitly saying it. Now, what I've done is I made you aware of a problem. I've also uh, shown you a way to solve the problem. And I've also given you the solution as to use this product this way to solve this. Now, there are three or four steps that have already concluded as part of that journey. So if we can think about ways like this, it need not be just in the form of written content, you know, it can be uh, in videos, it can be, uh, you know, uh, creating a set of video demos for people to talk about different use cases and uh, then do it that way. So whatever way you want to do it, you can. But my only whole point about the funnel is uh, don't expect people to, uh, you know, come in again and again. Uh, to take the same kind of action and consume more content because people don't have that much amount of time. Let's be realistic and let's understand uh, the people's journey. And as marketers, you know, 
there's no point in marketing yesterday style where uh, you know people are working for what people are looking at what they want to do tomorrow using today's technologies yeah no that's absolutely right i mean it sounds to be like uh, what you're saying is um trying to find a smart approach to yeah. uh help reduce that sequence a bit because it, it it sounds to me and we've all seen it right there's a bit of an overproduction of content right yeah, yeah. And, and and maybe more often than not um you know these, these marketers fail to take a step back and say okay so what are we producing all this content for yeah. is it yeah, even absolutely. worth it you know right? yeah. we're we always uh, we're always producing uh, tons and tons of content is it even useful you know at the end of the day again when you go back to the initial uh, content marketing trends you know everybody's going to say that hey the amount of content created is increasing that's that's true and the same time um have have we ever thought out that hey is the content that we are creating useful for people you know i i don't need to uh, create a piece of content to tell you how to create a gif you know there's there's absolutely no reason and at the end of the day if i know that um, who my customer is and what are the problems that they have on a daily basis and if i can precisely talk to that problem you know i'm being helpful far more because you know this is again another school of thought where instead of writing for the prospect it is always better off to write for a customer because you very clearly know what their problems are and how you have solved for them and that becomes a very clear solution you understand their context than aspiring to solve somebody's problem that whom you don't even know who you don't even know and might not even buy your product <laughs> exactly <laughs> hey it's christian klepp here we'll get back to the episode in a second but first is your brand struggling to cut through the noise are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales are you trying to pivot your business if so book a call with Einblick consulting our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.imblake.co for more information. All right. I mean, because we are talking about like content for revenue, talk to us about the goals uh, that you think B2B marketers should be setting when it comes to content marketing and then specifically measuring the outcomes for content from a revenue standpoint. So what metrics uh, should they be measuring? Right. So this is, a, again, uh, you know, a brilliant question, uh, because when it comes to content, uh, as, as I initially spoke about, um, the number one problem that we always have is uh, how do I um, give you the ROI for my content, right? So that's where uh, the core metrics uh, comes into. And here's the thing, right? So again, when it comes to content, you you my, content is going to be one area that is is not a silo. You know, um, there is sales enablement, there is product marketing, then there is uh, your podcast, and then there are um, sales, and there are multiple different functions in your organization. And content is a horizontal piece that goes across all of these things. Think of this as a, you know, as a, as a T-shaped funnel, but with multiple vertical layers and one horizontal layer called content going across all of this. Now, the, the way you got to think about this is... Uh, Okay, let's let's take product marketing. How does content contribute to product marketing? Product marketing has there are has four four interfacing layers. A product marketing team interfaces with customer success. A product marketing team interfaces with the product team, and then they also interface with the marketing team and the sales team. Now, using content, how do I enable product marketers to improve adoption, which is a layer that the product marketers uh, you know have a dotted line reporting with the product team so they care about adoption what do i what are the kind of things that i do um, in in terms of onboarding or in terms of uh, go to market 
So what are the kind of things that I uh, do there to improve that adoption? So influenced adoption is one metric that you can look at. And the next set is if you look at the same product marketing uh, interface with sales, you know, let's look at the, the sales deals. What can I do for sales enablement? You know, what is my influenced revenue there? In that case, um, you know, when you hear, uh, again, using the, using a tool like Aoma, what you can do is you can consistently hear the top three or four um, competitors that your prospect often compares you with. So um, as, a, as a content marketer, what I can do there is in that interfacing piece, I can create three or four battle cards uh, for sales enablement and uh, say that, hey, these are the pieces. Whenever people ask you questions around how do you stack up against this competitor, uh, you can you know, enable them with those things. Then again, think about what I can do with uh, what I can do with renewables when it comes to uh, customer success. You know, how do I uh, how do I continuously keep our existing customers see value in our product? You know, what are the kind of pieces that I can create? What what are the you know, uh, or can I keep sending them a few nurture emails? Is it again think about if it adds value? Or is it going to be coming across as yet another email that they would eventually mark as spam and uh, you know push it away? So, so those are the kind of things that you look at when it comes to product marketing. Now, again, think about even if you had to broadly think about the entire blog verse in itself. You know, I would say instead of thinking about um, the number of visits that you are getting or uh, the the traditional click throughs and all of that, I would simply look at two simple things. I would look at what is the time on page, you know, time on page for each of these uh, blog posts. So what that tells you is very clearly it tells you that have you attracted the right audience, right? So if the time on page for each of your content pages like blogs is more than about three to four minutes, you can be absolutely sure that you have attracted the right people because they've spent enough amount of time. Okay. And uh, then Another thing as an extension that you need to look for is uh, how many pages are these people visiting, right? So after visiting, after uh, spending about five minutes on my blog post, are they visiting another five or six of my product pages? Okay. That means I've influenced that journey in the right manner and they are taking the desired course that I would want them to, or at least, you know, they came looking for that and uh, this was helpful. So if you zoom this out, and look from the holistic marketing investment into this zone. Um, what happens is you might have spent tens of hundreds of dollars in driving so much of traffic to your website, but ultimately what you want to know is have you attracted the right ones? It's, it's not about um, you know burning money and uh, getting more because just even if you right now, if you randomly search for any topic, you are always going to see two or three people consistently appearing for almost every topic that you see. Okay. Uh, and the point is the moment you go into that page, if you did not find the actual content that you were looking for, regardless of the clickbait of a heading that it was, you're going to bones off. You, you're going to not going to spend time uh, there at all. So ultimately, again, I'll keep coming back to just those two things. Do you understand your customer and are you, um, talking or creating content solving to their problem. And all of those metrics that I just mentioned as a measure will definitely align to understanding, um, you know, the, if it's the right audience or not by getting these numbers, right. 
No, that's absolutely right. And, you know, thanks for sharing those. And, you know, back to what you were saying earlier, I, I think what you're also referring to as dwell time, right? So, like, you know, how how, long, how much time um, yeah. these visitors, like, spend looking at your content, looking at the page, right? Versus, versus oh, look at all these click-throughs or these MQLs, you know, like, uh, there's, you know, this topic has been discussed more times than I care to count on, um, on LinkedIn. You know, I, I have yeah. an interesting thought on this, you know, mm. yes, based on the kinds of people that you see on, uh, you know, social media, it yes. becomes an interesting debate as to, hey, uh, MQL is bad, this is good, this is bad, it's, you know, lead gen versus demand gen and all of that. But, Fundamentally, let's 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 look at things from a first principle standpoint. You know, at the end of the day, it is not MQL versus SQL or a PQL or whatever it is. At at the end of the day, what you simply want is to be clear about how you want to define that particular um, you know contact or account coming into your ecosystem. Now, if you are looking at that sign up who uh, spent you say uh, who came into your product who signed up and uh, created a few accounts or took a few desired action and became active you're looking at them as an mql that's that's still fair enough you know uh, whereas if you are uh, just considering some ebook download and giving those contact to your sales people and saying that this is an mql that's not fair so ultimately it, it boils down to how you qualify and what is the sla that you have within the company you can call it MQL, you can call it SQL, whatever you want. But ultimately, it's the definition that you have internally that drives the sanity of how things should work. Yeah, well, that's a fair point. <laughs> that's absolutely a fair point. You've given us a lot of great advice already, but give us something actionable here. And what I mean by that is like, what can B2B marketers do right now to improve their content marketing with the aim of generating revenue? Yeah, so um, one of the points that I, I discussed some time back, I'll probably reiterate that as the core key action item here is maybe invest on a good uh, conversation intelligence tool um, wherein you can, because as, as a marketer, it is important for you uh, to be talking to your customers um, and knowing what is important for them and um, creating content based on what is of importance to them rather than your assumption. So by investing in a conversation intelligence tool, what you can do is you can consistently understand trends as to what are the kind of things your prospects are looking for? What are the kind of questions that your customers are asking? Or what are the kind of feature requests that are often coming up into your ecosystem that you can even discuss with your product team or even float out a growth hack to test if it's, it's, it's going to work? Uh, or even, you know, you look at some of these uh, specific details as to, well, in fact, I'll give you one of the experiments that we did internally. Um, uh, you know, for us at Aboma, we wanted to invest on, um, we, we, we do support quite a few uh, conferencing tools like, say, Zoom or uh, uh, Google Chrome, I mean, uh, Google Meet and all of that. But one of the things that we wanted to do was uh, we wanted to uh, build an app specifically for Zoom, wherein um, you would get this entire in-app experience without going out of Zoom to experience Avoma. So what we, what we, the reason we decided to do that was when we consistently heard uh, what was the most used conferencing tool by our customers as part of these conversations, that data kind of became very clear. Okay, so once we had this data, then it helped our product team to invest more on that. It helped our marketing team to develop more things around that, do our research and things like that. And even when we proposed um, this tool or app to Zoom, we had data to show that, hey, you know what? X percentage of our um, customers actually use Zoom. 
Um, so it makes sense for you to get these many people into your ecosystem through Avoma. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's why I keep hopping on to understanding your customers and prospects. It Today, it could be a conversation intelligence. Tomorrow, it could be something else. But the fundamental factor is know your customer. There is no substitute to that. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, ra- rather than uh, playing this like guessing game, right, which can be not only dangerous, but quite costly. <laughs> Right. Uh, you're going to have a lot of fun with this question because this is probably something you don't get asked a lot. <laughs> if you had 10 times the marketing budget that you have now, what would you spend it on and why? Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a very interesting question. And also, I have never got this question before. And um, I'm thinking on my feet. But I'll, okay. What I'm going to do is um, right now, my entire marketing thought process is uh, based on what my current budget is and what my internal resource structure is, right? So if I have 10x the budget, I'll be looking at multiple uh, uh, channels or more importantly, I'll be, you know, uh, testing out a lot of many different things and building out specific teams for that. For example, uh, today, uh, I've invested on content marketing and uh, performance marketing. Um, then uh, if I have to next the budget, I'll um, I'll try out a few different options as well or establish systems around, say, for example, uh, product marketing, which is a fundamental thing that I want to look at. And then I'll be investing on, um, say, advocacy programs. I'll be investing on partnership programs, uh, which is very important. And then I'll be uh, looking at... Uh, doing a set of virtual events that is, uh, you know, more like a webinar to improve our brand presence and probably also invest some of the money on uh, PR as well. So, uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, brand is significant part of all of the things that you do. And if your brand becomes visible to the right audience, um, you know, in an enough manner, then your uh, overall uh, CAC is going to come down. So yeah, these are the possible four or five different places I'll expand on. And uh, more importantly, I'll uh, invest majority of these resources in bringing the right people into each of these systems. You know, uh, sometimes what, what, or in fact, most of the times what matters the most is if you have the right people um, on these right uh, areas that including that they're most passionate about those things and solving those problems, I think most of the things can take care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that was a great list. And uh, I, I'm going to sound a little bit biased because uh, I'm, me, myself, I'm, I'm a brand strategist. So, of course, I'm going to agree and say, yes, brand is a very important <laughs> asset. <laughs> um, absolutely. So you've brought up a couple of these already in the past, uh, you know, a couple of minutes in this conversation. But what do you see is the biggest challenge right now in the world of B2B content marketing? Right. So uh, again, it's a recurring problem, two problems. Uh, One I would say is um, always, are we uh, talking to the right audience or attracting the right kind of people? But um, most important uh, problem to solve for or what I see as a challenge is uh, it's important to have realistic expectations from your content marketing. You know, uh, sometimes we can uh, go to overboard um, and um, we can th- uh, we we might start thinking that hey um wh- how many leads has content marketing contributed to or uh, you know what we have we have invested on seo for an example okay so we have invested on seo it's been a month but uh, you know what is the revenue from seo 
there are certain things that are going to take its own time so you need to be realistic about your investments there and uh, um, maybe i can i can give you an example with uh, a content piece that i uh, wrote recently and compare two different content pieces and uh, sure. tell you about the expectations there hmm. so one of the blog pieces that i wrote today and published was on uh, team selling okay the the blog on team selling has a very different approach or it's written for a very different purpose versus um, the other blog where i earlier spoke about using conversation intelligence to um, you know reduce your potential customer churn okay so the the blog number 2 which i spoke about reducing churn is is going to show you how to solve a problem whereas the one that i spoke about on uh, team selling is going to give you an awareness as to hey you know you you cannot be uh, closing deals all alone all the time uh, because things are going to vary because uh, depending on the size of the deal and the kind of support system that you need into the system so you need to be aware of this 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 so that's that's the purpose of first blog where i'm not trying to sell anything i'm not trying to push anything but i'm just trying to uh, share an idea saying that hey if you are looking for a solution to this problem maybe this is an approach that you might want to take whereas the second uh, uh, problem is entirely different where i'm saying that this is how you go about it uh, you see this product can solve this that's that's very clear so if you're expecting uh, sign ups from a blog like team selling that's not going to happen whereas on the other hand if you're expecting awareness from the second blog that's not going to happen so one is written at uh, the customers and the other is written towards a certain kind of uh, people who are looking for an approach to solve a problem Yeah, no, those are definitely um some very interesting points, and I'm I'm curious what you think about this. Yeah, like, do you think that commoditization is a key challenge in content marketing? Um, so I have given some thought about it, and mm. uh, in the past, and uh, there are certain parameters that uh, you come across um, when somebody when you talk to somebody and they are talking to talking to you from the perspective of uh, I'll pay so many dollars per word. then they are typically talking about uh, run of the mill content and uh, and and in my experience what i've often seen is that good content marketers do not talk about it that way you know the uh, good content marketers are generally experts in one particular domain like say for example if you ask me to write about um, a business product or a martech product i'll be in my comfort zone i'll be like yes i understand this domain well i can write but on the contrary if you ask me to write a cyber security related uh, blog post or white paper i'm i'm going to tell you no that's not my area of expertise because you know i can still read and write a few things but it's still not going to come with that kind of authority or conviction with which i would tell you that hey this is how you can do something so that conviction is very very important uh, and commoditization discussion also comes a lot because of uh, you know um, there are there's ai writing content for you there are people writing content for you there's that angle as well but see i'm not necessarily worried about uh, who writes the content as long as the content is useful for people so i i'm not I, i'm not against ai as long as it's augmenting your purpose and uh, not going away from the thing that you're trying to solve for Yeah no absolutely and it's going back again to what you've been saying uh, many many times in the conversation who are you writing this for right yeah absolutely who's this for right yeah. <laughs> who who's are you appealing to and what's the what's the problem yeah exactly exactly okay I, you probably were already up on your soapbox but please stay up there right like <laughs> 
for this question. What is a status quo or a commonly held belief when it comes to using uh, B2B content marketing for revenue that you passionately disagree with and why? <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. You must have put a lot of thought to each of the questions that you have come up with today. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, in this area, if I have to pick one point um, that you generally see a lot of people talking for it, uh, is this factor called personalization. Okay. Um, and I'm dead against this idea of personalization and I'll tell you why. Um, so personalization is again, uh, one of those, uh, Martech stories where, uh, you know, Martech vendors try to uh, pitch you, uh, and tell you that, Hey, these are the kind of data that you need to know about people so that you can personalize this experience. Uh, but the reality is, um, okay, the best way to explain this is I'll give you an example. Now you get a pitch slap on LinkedIn where somebody says that, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn, you know, you and I went to the same school or, you know, uh, we support the same club. Do you want to grab a coffee and uh, do you want to talk about uh, how my product can solve your problem? I'm like, heck no. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the personalization there is not to understand uh, whether we went to the same school or we support the same football club. The point is, how your pitch is relevant to what I'm solving for right now. Yes, I'm open to pitches, but the, the point is the pitch should be talking about a pain that I might have. You know, you pick up some of the things that I have done in the past and uh, put yourself into that equation and say that, hey, I saw that you're talking about these, these things. Um, and you were trying to say, for example, it could be as simple as, hey, Yag, you were trying to uh, hire a product marketer for quite some time and I, I might know somebody uh, who might be interested. Do you want to talk to them? That's a, that's a great pitch. You know, uh, that's actually helping my cause or you, you could, it could be something like, Hey, uh, you know, you had that particular problem and I came across this product that solves for exact thing that you were looking for. Um, and uh, they have a 14 day free trial, maybe give it a spin and see if it works for you. Still a good pitch. You know, so the point is relevance matters more than personalization. And so just don't go behind personalization because it sounds fancy or, uh, you know, uh, you have invested a lot into it. But at the, again, you know, goes back to the same factor that we have been discussing the entire day is, does it really help the customer? And amen to that, especially with the pitch slapping, because, uh, you, you know, like uh, I was talking to somebody else about this last week and uh, a lot of this so-called like personalized approach on LinkedIn is actually nothing more than a, a veiled sales pitch, right? And it's not even veiled properly enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, you know, sharing your, um, your, your thoughts and your experience and your insights to the audience. So please do us the pleasure of uh, introducing yourself and uh, let, letting people out there know how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So for all the listeners, uh, you know, thank you so much for patiently uh, listening to me. Uh, my name is Yag. Full name is Yagneshwaran Ganesh. Uh, but, you know, you can call me Yag. That's the easiest. Um, everybody outside of my parents call me Yag. So, yeah, that's, that's about <laughs> it. And um, I have about um, 13 years of experience uh, in the marketing space, especially in the world of uh, um, software. And uh, precisely over the last seven or eight years, I've been in the SaaS uh, side of the world. And... Um, most part of my life, I've been with startups and um, about 80% of the companies that I work for, I've been the first marketer or the only marketer for the first six months of their journey. So I, I enjoy building things from scratch and uh, I enjoy a little bit of chaos. 
and um, apart from that uh, i have published about eight books my recent book is called the collaborative grow uh, it's free on amazon if you if you are interested uh, check it out it's about uh, you know how to democratize um, customer intelligence across your organization so that's the core theme of the book and then i run a podcast called the abm conversations podcast I've had some really great guests like Seth Gordon, Guy Kawasaki, David Cancel, Rand Fishkin. And the best part about this entire journey is like I've had um, these people talking about specific topics, going deep um, on, on specific topics as to how to solve a particular problem. For example, uh, you know, Seth Gordon talks about uh, modern marketing or uh, the most recent episode where we had somebody called Claire who uh, speaks about how to go and solve for or build a customer led growth for your company you know we are we are these days we are discussing a lot about product led sales led do we do this do we do that but once you understand your uh, customers then you will be able to build the right ecosystem for them so there are so many things like that and uh, the best place to connect with me is uh, on linkedin i'm quite active there if not uh, you can also check out my website which is yagneshwaran.com it's y a a g n e s h w a r a n .com so happy to connect and once again thank you for your time here fantastic fantastic yeah it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show so thanks again for your time take care be safe and uh talk to you soon absolutely thank you so much chris it was a pleasure all right bye for now thank you for joining us on this episode of the b2b marketers on a mission podcast to learn more about what we do here at imblick please visit our website at www.imblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.